So we all have a story to tell. I told you part one of my story about how I started my podcast and why and what my mission in life is, what I love doing. Now it's time for you to hear the nitty gritty story of one of the worst things that happened to me that shaped my life and I'm so grateful for because it taught me everything. And I hope by sharing this story that it gives you permission to share your story and that it gives you permission to love on all the sticky bits of who you are and transform and heal. So if you're ready, let's get started. You're listening to Embody Transformation. Come back home to your soul. I'm your host, Johanna Bradford. If you like this episode, like, subscribe, share with your friends, download, take me with you. If you're interested in learning more on how to work with me, go to the link in the bio or the show notes, or go to www.johanna-bradford.com. I look forward to working with you soon. Let's get started. We all have a story to tell. Sometimes that story is funny and charming, hilarious. Sometimes it's moving and emotional. Sometimes it's profound. No matter the story, the emotions behind it, the story deserves to be heard and witnessed because it's not our story alone. In fact, someone once told me that by sharing your story, it's a lifeline for someone else. It's their life preserver. It lets them know they're not alone. That's the danger of not sharing your story is you get isolated in your head. You think you're so individual and so specific and only you have gone through that pain. And all the other stories that you make up around that that keep you isolated and in emotional Arrested development. Now, your path to getting to the point where you can tell your story, that's very individual. But you and your pain aren't individual, they're universal. So why would you not want to find community? Well, sometimes our path is really bumpy and chaotic to get to the point where we can share our story and find that community. I slowly started to find my community only in the last handful of years. So it is with great courage, nervousness and delight and acceptance and radical self-love that I share this particular story because it is one that has dramatically impacted my life. It is the incident that has impacted my life more than anything else, if I'm honest. And I'm grateful. I'm really grateful for what it's taught me, for what I've learned, for the healing, for all the things that my soul chose to engage with in this incident. So... I hope that sharing this story gives you permission to share yours. I hope that it heals your heart. I hope that you get and glean all of the learnings that you need from it at the time that you need from it. If I lose you 
along the way. Thank you for listening. And I wish you all the best. If I gained you or you remain, thank you. You have my gratitude. And also, I appreciate and welcome you. Thank you. So here's my story without further ado. When I was 15 years old, I was in a vehicle accident with my mother. We were at a stoplight and a vehicle hit us from behind, uh, going approximately 50 miles an hour without slowing down. Well, it was pretty significant, this damage, so much so that we were both in physical therapy for two years. What's important to know about my mother and I is our names are very, very similar. Hers is Joanne and mine is Johanna or Johanna, depending on which side of the family you're from. Now, on paper, that was very confusing to the insurance agencies and medical facilities. We were in physical therapy for two years, and so they thought there was perhaps a typo, which was not the case. But somehow, this led my mother to be under the impression that if she lied and said that I was not in the vehicle, that she would get a larger settlement for her part of the damage which was not the case, but in doing so, it left me legally responsible for all those medical bills for two years. It also left me in complete isolation because she no longer would talk to me. And I suddenly found myself at 15, 16, 17 years old in the office of these uh, attorneys and medical facilities and insurance agencies negotiating when I was responsible. Obviously, it had to happen at 18 as your quote unquote, illegal adult at that age, which I find very confusing since you still have the teen word attached to your age, and your brain has not stopped fully forming. It does not do so until around the age 25, 26. So technically, people are still children, but we allow them to be tried as adults and live their life as adults, to a degree. Makes no sense to me. I'm digressing, but that's my personal opinion. So I graduated high school, and I moved to the big city, and I got a job in a very good store of retail. And I did such a great job, I moved up the ranks. I was well-liked, but I still had all these medical bills. And to this day, I do not have the actual memory of physically doing this, but I know we did it. One, I took something that wasn't mine, money, or if you like, embezzled money from my employer and paid those medical bills. That's how, one reason I know that I did it is because medical bills were paid. And another reason is I had this horrible, guilty conscience. You see, prior to this incident, and also ever since, I had never done anything wrong in the sense where I was in trouble with the law, or I'd significantly hurt someone, what have you, harmed another or an agency or what have you. I've never done anything prior to or since it was extremely out of character for me 
And believe me, I felt it at the soul level. So much so that it was actually in my soul record when I did my Akashic record reading. I mean, I actually lost part of my soul, which is insane. It has since been repaired, but sometimes we do something so out of character that even our soul fractures, our soul mourns and weeps. But there's a lesson that we wanted and agreed to, and so it is. What's interesting to note about that is whatever has been done can't necessarily be undone in the sense that, like, if an incident happened in time, you can't go back and change it like it didn't. It's not like, you know, the butterfly effect movie. You can't undo it in that capacity. However, if something's been fractured like my soul and I lost part of it, I still was able to repair it and heal it and restore it back to its original state with the learnings intact, just removing all the trauma and the the, uh, emotional turmoil. That's what I mean. So I digress. So I'm working for this company and the embezzlement takes place. I've never got caught, but boy, did I have a nagging, horrible, guilty conscience, nightmares, like paranoia, all kinds of random weird stuff. And one day I was taken in for questioning about another employee who was involved in part of like this massive theft ring that had to do with like the Russian mobsters in that city at that time. It was really big in the 90s. Now, I interrupted my employer and I was like, look, I don't know anything about that, but guess what I did? (laughs) And I fessed up. I confessed everything. And they were shocked and disappointed and hurt and in disbelief, rightfully so. But I thought that I was doing the right thing by owning my shit, by fessing up, being like, hey, I made a mistake. I'm here to fix this. What can we do about it? Well, they were pretty pissed off. So they called the police. I was arrested. I'm not going to go into all the nitty gritty detail. Like if you want all that, you can buy the book. But for the sake of this episode, you're going to get the greatest hits. So arrested. That was humiliating. Have you ever had cuffs on you? Oh my God. And there's all these rules and laws that if you're a female, you're supposed to have female interrogators and police officers. Yeah. Apparently, this was before all that was mandated, so that was not pleasant either. This was over Easter weekend, and I spent 72 hours in that holding cell jail in the shittiest part of town in a 12 by 12 room with, at the time I was intake in there, was, I think, 25 people, and they hold you for as long as they deem necessary, up to 72 hours if nobody bails you out. I learned a lot about myself and other walks of life and also human nature and the judicial system in those 72 hours. In particular, I learned that when you're in jail, they get money per head, meaning per head count. So if there were 25 people in there, they get a number per head per hour. So by the time 
72 hours was up and I was about to be released, there were 48 of us. It was very crowded and uncomfortable. People were seated everywhere, standing, you name it. It was just, ugh. Um, I called my half-sibling to see if she could help me. She told me I was an idiot and I deserved what I got and she hung up. I was like, wow, okay. Thanks for um, making me feel even worse than I already did. Well, that's how I felt anyway. It's not her responsibility how I felt, but that action did not make it better. <laughs> so I was released on Easter morning, four o'clock in the morning, in the dark, in the cold, in the shittiest, most dangerous part of town. And it was five miles for the walk from there all the way to my apartment that I shared with my half sibling. Because I had no money, they took everything, and I didn't have any means to call. This is really before cell phones, quite frankly. Um, So I just walked, and I thought, and I was like, oh, my goodness, my life is forever changed from this moment. And I also have no clue how all this is going to unfold. I really fucked up. And... I still, in good faith, thought that by admitting it and owning it, that that would help in my favor. Little did I know that would not be the case. So when I got home, my half-sibling woke up and was like, you know what? I'm disgusted by you. This is ridiculous. You need to move out because I don't want you here anymore. And you've got 24 hours. And I was like, damn, okay. Um, she didn't ask me if I was okay. She didn't ask me what happened. She didn't ask me any questions. She just labeled and judged me. Which is ironic because her story is pretty interesting. The whole family. Not the greatest. They all have their own dark history, right? And yet, they all judged me. And cut me off, disown me. I was like, that's fine. Kind of like you guys making poor choices that I don't agree with anyway. But you know what? At least I owned my shit and I admitted it. That's the difference between me and anyone else who's done anything bad to another human agency, animal, whatever. Is whether you either get caught or you admit it. Like you either get caught or you don't. You admit it or you don't. Period. That's it. That's the only difference. It's like the difference between me and somebody who went to law school, maybe three or four years of school in that realm. Other than that, like we're all human beings, dude. We all make mistakes. And if you judge someone, I will say that is purely a distraction from judging yourself and owning your stuff and facing your stuff. That's all it is. So if you're really judging someone, why don't you get curious about why and where that comes from? Because if you are honest with yourself, there's probably something there that needs to be addressed and healed in its own right. You don't have to judge it, but you can certainly observe it, get curious about it so that you can heal it. But anyway, I digress. So let's see, where was I? So I admitted everything. I was released from jail. My sister half sibling was like, you know what, F you, you're out. I'm like, okay, disowned by the family. 
Well, before this happened, I had gotten a second job. And that was really a saving grace for me because clearly I didn't have this other job anymore because I'd been <laughs> fired because I did a no-no. Um, and so that was part-time. And when I went back into that job uh, the next day after Easter, that Monday, the boss was like, you're different. What's going on? It's like, what do you mean? And they're like, mm, something happened? It's like, Wow. So I fessed up and he was like, oh, you know what? We've all done stupid things. Come stay with me and my husband. So I did. I moved in with him and his husband in this tiny little one-bedroom apartment. And we were this amazing, happy family for two years. They took me in when no one else did. When everyone else turned their back on me and disowned me and judged me, these individuals showed me kindness and love. And I'll never forget that. I will be honest. No, I did lose it. I lost my family, but really that wasn't that big of a loss because they're colorful in their own right. I lost jobs or jobs that I was in the running for. I had to admit that I had this on my record because it was going to come up in the background check anyway. But sometimes I would get around what the actual incident was for because it was listed as theft one and Technically, I could have stolen a mailbox and gotten the same judgment. So sometimes I told people what they wanted to hear. It is what it is. But I lost jobs. I was denied college access. I was denied loans, like personal loans. My rights were stripped, the right to vote or bear arms. And I lost friends, people that I'd known for a long time or people that I'd recently met and were super bonded with like in college or whatever. And I'll tell you, it was one of the loneliest periods of my life for over a decade. The worst part of out of all of that was the judgment I placed upon myself compounded with the judgment and the rules and ridiculous hoops that I had to jump through, through the judicial system. They're not designed to rehab you, even though there might be a corrections officer there to help you. Mine was a sleaze bag and liked teenage girls. And there's a lot of information they don't share with you, especially if you're naive. They just think you're dumb. Work release. So my, oh, let me back up. My judgment was 200 hours of community service, which I actually really enjoyed and loved and was happy to do and did well beyond the 200 hours. Uh, 30 days work release, incarceration, which means that I was in jail, spent the night in jail every day for 30 days, but was released for the duration to have a quick commute to my place of employment for my shift and then quick uh, commute back to the facility and then do it all over again. So I did that for 30 days and then restitution with 33% compound interest on the twenty five, $30,000, whatever it was. And if you do the math over time and you're making slow payments because, you know, 
can't get great jobs or what have you, or that's the payment plan they have you on and you can't change it because it's ruled by a judge. At some point very soon, the interest is more than what you actually owe. And that can keep you in a horrible state of not being able to free yourself from this one mistake, this one incident that no one will let you forget for the rest of your life. So it's just ridiculous. I learned so much and I'm so incredibly grateful that this thing happened and that all of those unpleasantries happened as well, because there's such beautiful gifts in the learning. And most importantly, I forgive myself. I love myself. That one incident doesn't define me. That one incident was a mistake. And nobody gets to judge me but me. No one. They can judge me, but I'm not responsible for their opinion of me. I'm not responsible for their interpretation of the events. I'm also not responsible for their image of me in their mind. But one of the most disappointing things was to when I did share, when I did reach out, when I was honest, because everyone says they want someone who's honest, they want communication. But when it actually comes down to brass tacks, and someone is direct and honest, and they are emotionally available, and they're there showing you who they are, whew, that scares the shit out of people. And that's intense, and they're not really ready for that. But that's because that's their level of availability. That's a reflection of it. But the part that heard about that the most wasn't the rejection necessarily. It was the look in their face and how it in a millisecond told me everything I needed to know. So the fall from, from grace, right? <laughs> look, every day people steal. Now, hear me out. Because they do. They steal um, medical supplies or office supplies from their employer. They steal a kiss. They steal a glance. They'll steal someone's lover. They'll steal confidence, innocence. Whatever it is, people steal every day, whether they realize it or not. And I have no idea. I cannot comprehend to this day why that is so much worse than murder or a drug-related crime that will harm someone. Because nine times out of ten, theft, stealing, crimes are about survival. Sure as hell was in my case. And majority of people that I've met that have a record, they're some of the most honest people I've ever met. Because... They're paying for the crime. There it is. I'm not saying like there's some shifty asshole who's like out to get people. Like I'm not talking about con artists. I'm talking about somebody who's made a mistake and was like, I effed up or I got caught or whatever. And they're like, yeah, well, I have this on my record. What are you going to do? Fuck it. What's alarming? Here's another statistic for you. 87% of people in office, elected officials. That means... Town, city, state, federal, um, police, or even attorneys that are all voted elected officials, 87% of them have some kind of criminal 
background. It doesn't mean like they're maiming people or whatever. It could be like, you know, a white collar crime, which is usually nonviolent or sex crime or what have you. The difference is they had money and they had better resources to have it addressed or absolved in some capacity. It's really political. And that's what politics is anyway. It's very like fickle. Who has deeper pockets? So the judicial system is absolutely political in that regard as well. I learned. And now I know. That's alarming though. So why are those people off the hook? And then I'm this been treated like this pissant who can't even get beyond feeling horrible about myself for decades because of the way I was treated by society, by the judicial system, by siblings and friends and culture and what have you, and myself. Until I faced this, oh my God, I was a hot freaking mess. Like I would do things to not face this. I had a shopping addiction, drink too much, party a little too much. I mean, I was never into drugs, but absolutely drank a little too much or just behaved obnoxiously or just did stupid shit. Because I didn't want to feel shitty about myself all the time. None of that helped, by the way. And one day I was like, you know what? What if I just actually owned this? And stop letting others determine how I feel about myself and stop letting others decide for me when I live in this body and I know what's best for me. Me and me alone know what's best for me. What if I just loved it and shone light on it? Because guess what? I'm a human being and I made a mistake. Big fucking deal. Everyone makes mistakes. So... Yeah, that's what I did. I loved it. And I healed it and I shared it and I shared it and I shared it and I shared it. Because I'll be honest, I really didn't have to deal with it after the 10 year mark because I lived in a state that was like, well, you know, after a decade, we kind of figure you're a different human being by now. Hopefully, right? Because yeah, in a decade, you change a lot. So I went from living in a state that was more lenient after 10 years, I didn't have to claim it on anything. If you know, whether it was a personal loan, auto loan, apartment, house, what have you. Then I moved to the state that I'm in residing now and just a loan for the driver's license application. I had to put it down for the apartment, for the car that I purchased, all the stuff. And I was like, wow, okay, what? This is coming up after 20 years? And it doesn't matter when it happened. You will be denied so many rights. You'll be denied getting into the apartment or the loan for the car or getting your driver's license. All the stuff you can be. So I was like, I have to deal with this. It's now or never. I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of living, looking over my shoulder. So guess what I did? I got on the horn and for a week straight, I called every day all over that city and I spoke to 27 different attorneys before someone finally gave me five minutes of their time and told me, here's the direction you should go in. This is for post crimes, you know, uh, post sentencing. This is the direction. By the way, there's a lot of lingo, there's a lot of paperwork. Almost 300 pages of paperwork I had to fill out. 
and I had to teach myself the jargon and I had to teach myself many, many, many things. And I did it in seven days and I became very good friends with someone at the prosecuting attorney's office. And I crossed my T's and I dotted my I's and I got it all in, all the supporting documentation. Because come hell or high water, this thing is going to be absolved. Now, once I got it in, they were like, oh, by the way, from COVID, we're still behind. So you got about six months. And I am now officially at that end of that waiting period. So by the end of this year, this will be absolved. And I'm thrilled. And I'm excited. Because the very people that persecuted me now have to admit (laughs) and file and seal it that this is no longer on my record like it never happened. And that is sweet justice. That is sweet justice. Hallelujah. Praise be. (laughs) That is a thrill to me. I did not realize on an energetic level how that was one of my biggest leaks, energetic leaks. How that was one of the core thorns in my side telling me in my mind how horrible I was, how unworthy I was, how I didn't deserve blah, 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 blah. And when I actually examined it and looked at it and was like, wow, what a crock. And then I looked further and saw, you know what? In the scope of things, this really isn't as bad as it seems. And also, how is this any different than anybody else has done anything wrong? I mean, human nature sometimes can be really shitty to be that way to another human being. But who the hell is anybody to judge another when they have their own skeletons and issues. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Oh, uh, one other tidbit. <laughs> I had mentioned this is I just have to share this because it blows my mind. So I had mentioned the state that I was in. A lot of states, it turns out, have not changed many of their law since they were incepted, meaning When the law was passed in the 1860s about theft and grand larceny, the value was anything over $200. Now, in current times, that could be something as simple as, yes, stealing a mailbox because that's federal. Or if you had $200 plus in late charges from a video rental store, yes, this was when that happened and it was a real thing, you could have this class C felony as a result. That is alarming. That is alarming. So states have the laws, they're incepted, and then there might be some minor tweaks, but they usually go based off the main law, the original law, and that's really disturbing and should probably change at some point. And it's up to us as voters to change that. Now, I share that just for you to be aware. (laughs) If you're in trouble ever or anyone you know is in trouble, do your homework, educate yourself, speak to an attorney. A lot of them have complex and, you know, they think they're better than everybody and they're like out for money. There's a lot of things, but they're still a human being and there's still a way to get through and speak to them. So do your homework, educate yourself, advocate for yourself, call the um, ACLU, whatever you need to do. That's my advice. So there you have it, the nitty gritty, or the gleaned nitty gritty, the nitty gritty will be in a book at some point. 
So again, if you've listened this far, I thank you for your time. If I have lost you, thanks for listening. I hope you got value out of it and I wish you the best. If I've gained you or you've stuck it through and there's a new bond, I appreciate you and value you more than you know. And I thank you for your time. I hope that by sharing this story, it gives you permission to heal and more importantly, gives you permission to share your story. I would love to hear your stories. So reach out on my website. You can contact me at www.johanna-bradford.com. That's www.johanna-bradford.com. Or you can DM me on TikTok or contact me on my Kajabi site that is in the show notes. That's it for today, my darlings. Enjoy and be well. I'll see you next time. All right, my darlings, you've been listening to Embody Transformation. Come back home to your soul. I'm your host, Johanna Bradford, and I hope you've enjoyed today's story because it was from the heart. It's my truth. And you know what? We all have a story. I'd love to hear yours. Be well, my friends. Until next time.